Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. How many like to be blessed? Amen. Amen. Then we need to be sowers of blessings. Amen. Okay, today then, what we're going to do, Lord willing, is we're going to conclude this series that we've been doing on possessing territory and expanding the kingdom of God. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe, in fact, today's sermon is, going, is really the craving of every one of us in this place. Everyone craves what I'm going to be sharing today. And if you want to hear it, you've got to come back next week. Brittany, you'll take it. No, I'm just kidding. I just love to do that. It is so fun. Forgive me, Lord. Okay. The need is this. The need that we all have is for authority and security in our lives. Think about that for a second. To be a person that's in authority, but along with that authority to have the security as well. Hallelujah. It's the reason many people involve themselves in all kinds of things. The quest for authority and security are the foremost reasons why many people attach themselves to the occult. Because the occult offers them immediate authority and security. Amen. It's the reason many young people decide to sacrifice making serious cash, which right now, I'm telling you, you, you young people, just getting out of high school, I can't believe what you're getting paid right now per hour. When I, <laughs> I won't even tell you what I made. When I, I, it was terrible. I, I don't even think I made $4 an hour when I got out of high school. You guys are making $17, $18, $22 an hour without any college education. But yet, for the quest of authority and security, many of you, and I applaud you for this, are sacrificing the short-term benefits to get that authority and security by getting a college education or getting some sort of training after high school. The quest for authority and security are among the reasons why most of our fathers personally sacrificed everything and mortgaged everything to the hilt in order for us families to have a future. Every man in this place knows what I'm talking about. You sacrifice everything so your family can have something better than what you had. Authority and security are the two major promises that the devil flaunts at people to destroy their destinies. Seriously, they were two, they were two out of the three things that the devil came and tempted Jesus with after Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights on that mountain. Think about it for a second. Authority and security. We all want it, don't we? Authority and security. Today, as we conclude this, the title of this message is going to be Uncommon Authority and Supernatural Security. Uncommon Authority and Supernatural Security. The text that we've been using for this series has been Psalm 2.8, which says, Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, the ends of the earth for your possession. i got a question for you, and I want you to really think about this before you answer. Are you ready? Are you ready to receive the nations for your inheritance? And are you ready to have all the ends of the earth as your possession? Can you even fathom that? The nations coming to you. The possessions of all the earth at your disposal. 
You're thinking, oh, Pastor Pete's just kind of, he's gone off the deep end. But that was a question that God asked his son Jesus. Amen. The fields are white unto harvest, aren't they? The nations are coming. They're coming into the kingdom. And we're going to see that more and more, the massive harvest of souls coming into the kingdom of God. The Lord is expecting you and I right now to get into position rightly with him. It's not his desire that any perish, but all come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord. Amen. Amen. God loves souls. God is in the soul-winning business. Hallelujah. The reason why we talk about deliverance and why we went through deliverance yesterday is because we as the church of Jesus Christ must be emptied of all the garbage, all the lies, all the deceptions, all the hang-ups, every bit of iniquity. So we can be filled up completely with Jesus Christ. So we have something to give. So people will be attracted to us. How can we say Jesus heals if we're not healed? How can we say that Jesus delivers if we're still entertaining a lot of devils? You say, I'm not entertaining any devils. Well, that's why your life is so wonderful and everything's working out for you. And that's why your countenance is so shiny all the time. I'm not making fun of it, but I'm just saying, come on, you guys. Let's let Jesus be Lord. And unless he's Lord of everything, he's not Lord at all then what do we have to offer? We have nothing to offer. There are tons of churches, there are tons of Christians out there that say that they love Jesus, and in their own way, yes, they do love Jesus, but are they representing the full Jesus? Are things happening in their lives that expand the kingdom of God? People coming to the Healing River Center, they're coming to receive something from God that they can't get from the medical profession. They've tried everything. They've spent all their money. And like the woman in the, in the Bible, she spent all of her money. She didn't get any better. She only got worse. And how many of you know when you spend everything and you do everything in the natural that you know how to do, it can get discouraging when you just see defeat, 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 failure, 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 sickness, sickness, sickness. I'm telling you, it gets to the point where you don't even want to get up in the morning. What is there to get up for? Sometimes I think we've been so conditioned by the devil to just barely get by. And we just settle for just mediocrity. Well, this is just my lot in life. I guess this is just the way it's going to be. And yes, we need to learn to be content in all situations. I get that. Does no one any good to get mad at God because of your situation and to blame God and everybody else for your condition? But there's one who's greater than everything that we're going through. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he, his death was not in vain. He came to save us unto the uttermost. What does that mean? That means he did it all. That's why when we sang today, he, you are worthy of it all. We can sing that with a full assurance in our heart because he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And it's time for you and I in the church of Jesus Christ to rise up in that. Because when we do, then we can command authority and see heaven explode on earth. The Lord is expecting us right now to get rightly positioned in him. I'm telling you, God's not going to wait much longer. 
If you don't get on the boat right now, you're going to be you're going to be running trying to catch up. I'm telling you, this is a fact. I know it in my spirit. He wants us to begin to think and dream and believe like he thinks, dreams, and believes. He wants us to start thinking territory, territory, territory. Quit being so consumed with your own little life. Start looking outside self and seeing that there are people out there that need what you have been so blessed with. The person of Jesus Christ, the power of Jesus Christ. We, you know, we're going to be responsible. God is going to hold us responsible. He's going to hold us accountable. When we get up to the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ, he is going to say, what did you do with the jurisdiction that I placed you in? How did you rule and reign while you were on the earth when you represented me? What are we going to say? What proof are we going to have to show? I don't know about you, but that is a sobering thought, and it's a thing that drives me all the time, drives me to keep on pressing in. It drives me to die to self. It drives, it drives me to stay humble. It drives me to pick myself up when I want to get into a pity party and feel sorry for myself. Come on, somebody. It's time that we step up into him. What type of fruit are we producing and how fruitful are we? Listen to these two scriptures when Jesus is talking about that he is the vine and we are branches he says this in John 15, 7 and 8, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, let me say that again, if we abide in Jesus to the fullest extent and his words abide in us, we will ask what we desire and it shall be done for us. Hallelujah. By this, he says, my father is glorified. How is he glorified? that we bear much fruit and our fruit remain. How many want to glorify Jesus? How many want the Father to be glorified? How, how many of you want your daddy to be proud of you? We know he loves us already. We don't have to do anything to earn his love. But is he proud of us? Look at your neighbor and say, you're a fruit. You're really fruity. Listen to the second verse, John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Jesus is speaking to us. We did not choose him, but he chose us, and he appointed us. He appointed you and I that we should go and bear fruit. Well, I just came to know Jesus. Well, good for you. But how do you know that it wasn't your decision? I mean, yes, you made that decision, but before the foundation of the world, God had a plan. And he knew that he was going to come and he was going to find you. And his love was going to permeate around you. And he was going to get a hold of you. He chose you, beloved. He chose you. And he chose you. That, and he appointed you that you should go out and you should bear fruit. I'm telling you, every time we do, every time you pray for somebody, you better be expecting fruit for the Lord. Or don't even open up the ministry. When we go out on the streets, we should be expecting fruit of the Lord. When we do the outreaches as a, we should expect fruit of the Lord. Brittany, every time you're with those youth, you should be expecting fruit. It's our appointment to, to bear fruit. 
and that our fruit should remain. I remember when I first gave my heart to the Lord, we used to have services and it was glorious and everybody was dancing and flipping around and oh man, no one wanted to go home. Well, that's wonderful. I'm glad that fruit remained. But don't camp out there, there's more fruit. There's more fruit that you need to produce. Add to what you have experienced in the Lord. Don't settle for what you had yesterday. Keep on pressing in for God and more of God. Amen. To accomplish this, Jesus modeled a pattern for us. And it's found when he first started his ministry. And all of us, before we even think about being fruitful for God, we must follow this pattern that our Lord and Savior, the, the author and the perfecter of us, should, we should do as well. It's found in Matthew chapters 3 and 4. Jesus first, he walked in humility. He became baptized and took on a nature of man. Secondly, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Thirdly, he became one with the word. You'll never become one with the word where the word comes in you, where you're abiding in him and his word abides in you unless you walk in humility and unless you empty yourself of self and that only happens when you fast. You'll never, ever, ever empty yourself of your selfish desires and only what you want until you start crucifying yourself. And the best way I know how to crucify yourself is to live a fasted lifestyle. Don't you expect any results if you're not given to fasting. You'll never have any results without fasting. You must be a fasted person. Does that mean that I have to give up food all the time? It's not necessarily food. Maybe for medical reasons you can't give up food, and God understands that. But you can fast other things. How about this thing called a phone? Everybody thinks this is their lifeline, and if they're not connected to this phone, oh boy, someone's going to be mad if you don't get back to them in a split second after they text you a message. Just tell all your friends ahead of time, I'm fasting for two days. Don't even bother. We get so into patterns. They're called ruts, where we just keep doing the same thing every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. And we feel out of sorts if somehow something gets messed up. Put on a deliverance seminar one time and see how many interruptions you get in that week. us to bear fruit and Jesus showed us that when we become one with the word where the word gets engraved on our hearts that we don't even have to think before we act because the word is already created what we're supposed to do then we're able to persevere and then we can command authority don't ever think that you're going to be able to command authority and pray in the name of Jesus and expect things to happen if you're not first humbled if you haven't first made your life one of a fasted life unto the Lord, unless you become one with the word of God, unless you're able to persevere through all the junk that comes your way, don't you ever think you'll walk in the authority and the command of God? You won't. You'll just be in yourself, and you will have no results. I know, because I've done that for way too long. Because see, as a pastor, I can't always have the time and the luxury to just get shut in with God. Oh, but that all you do is preach one sermon a week. You should have all the time in the world. No. But I know for a fact. I know for a fact. I know what it's like to be under the anointing, and I know what it's like not to be under the anointing. And I would choose the first. 
because a second is just nothing but a waste of time. In fact, the Word of God says anything that's not done in faith is sin. Ooh, seriously, yep. That's what the Word says. These are important battle strategy keys that Jesus has given us. Come on, you guys. If Jesus did this before he started ministry on this earth, how much more should we be doing this before we even step out and do things for Jesus? The fifth key in this battle strategy is command of authority, and that's what I want to talk about today. It's addressing the territorial spirits that are over this area that we have been constantly coming against, that have caused us to be unfruitful. And those territorial spirits need to be put in their place in Jesus' name. Ending the battle when Jesus was tempted as he went through these five things, because he humbled himself, because he fasted, because he became one with the word and spoke the word against the enemy. It is written, it is written, it is said. He was then able to say with great authority, away with you, Satan. With great authority, he could say, get out of the way, Satan. And Satan had to leave. And the scripture says that angels came and ministered to him. Does it not say in Hebrews that part of our inheritance in Christ is that the Lord would give us angels as ministering spirits to help us? We need angels to help us. Angels are assigned to every one of you when you gave your heart to Jesus. Why? Because you have the glory of God inside of you. And angels protect the glory of God. Hallelujah. Up at the mercy seat in glory, there are angels around the throne of God protecting that. In the tabernacle, in the wilderness, in the mercy seat, there was uh, engraved in gold, covered in gold, out of that acacia wood on that mercy seat. There were two angels and their wings, they faced each other and the tips of their wings touched each other. If we could only see in the spirit realm, we would see those angels covering over each and every one of us every second of every minute of every day. Spirits never sleep. And those angels are sent to watch over us. Those angels are waiting. They're waiting for us to get to this place, this fifth key. When we can come to that place and we can walk into full command of authority and say this or that, and then they can do stuff on our behalf. But they will never do stuff on our behalf until we get to that place, you understand. Can I tell you something? The grace of God is unearned. It's a free gift that God gives us. The grace of God is his unmerited favor, and it's his power to live a righteous, holy life. His love is, is unconditional. He always loves us all the time. There's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that you can do whatever, that will ever separate his love from you. Even if you turn away from him and you become the worst sinner, he still loves you. But let me tell you something about command of authority. And all you greasy grace people, you'll probably shut me off right now, but I don't care, I'm going to say it. Command of authority is earned. It's earned. It's earned. It's earned. It's just not an automatic, just because you're born again and you got the Spirit of God living inside of you. Praise God, you've got the Spirit of God living inside of you. Praise God, you've got his command authority that is resident inside of you, but it will never be released and realized until you earn it. Which means you must humble yourself and be real with yourself. And when the Holy Spirit says, son or daughter, listen, 
this, this, this behavior that you have right now, come on, can you just get over it? Can you just get past it? Can you, can you just let it go? Because God will never override our wills. He's just waiting for you to say, yes, Lord, I surrender everything. Can people just, can we just surrender to God? Jerry, do you think we can just surrender to God? Or do you think we need to arm wrestle over it and see who's going to win? How many know that God's always going to win in that war? And again, I'll tell you again, the most miserable person on the face of the earth is one who says they're born again and spirit-filled, but they're not living under the 100% lordship of Jesus Christ. You will be the most miserable person. You can try to justify your condition and why this happened. Well, you know, so-and-so, if they only would have done that or if that person would have done that, if only I had a better upbringing, blah, 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 blah. I mean, we could try to blame everybody, but the, but the real crux to the matter is you. And you need to look in that mirror and you need to have a, a full assessment and let the, the, the Holy Ghost start to speak to you, the spirit of truth come in and just show stuff to you. Then humble yourself, and then you don't have to have me keep on pounding this into you. I keep pounding this because I can't, I can't stop it. Because I know that God has something special for you. I know that you can have an abundant life. I know that this gospel message is true. And we need to see people healed, delivered, saved, raised up from the dead. And it's available to all of us, and we can just say, amen, oh, that's good. But it has to be a reality. It has to be a way of life. Can you imagine that day, and it's coming. I see it. I see it all the time. I see it all the time. Where things are happening all the time. You're going to be calling me, Sue, and you're going to say, Pastor, I don't know if I can do this much more. They keep coming. I don't know. We need some more people. I pray. I know God's helping me, but we just need more. We need reinforcements. And I'll have to make a plea. Is there anybody out here that can just give a little bit more of your supply of the Spirit? Again, we're going to be held accountable for our jurisdiction. What have we done? This is a medical community. We have the nations coming to Rochester. You guys, how easy can it be? We don't have to get on a plane and go all over to every continent of this world. We got every continent of this world coming right to our own little city here, our own little humble city of Rochester, Minnesota. We got the world coming here. Come on. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that if we just believe, we shall not perish but have everlasting life. Do you understand what that means? When Jesus said, away with you, Satan. The devil took his hands off of him. And the heavenly host came and ministered to him. And he had the most productive ministry on this earth. Oh, but he was God. But you don't understand. He gave up everything that was God when he was baptized and humbled himself. So if Jesus did it, we can do it too. Look at your neighbor and say, you can do this. Father God chose Jesus. And Jesus chose the Father's mission for him to be the Savior of the world, to save you and me. Therefore, the Father said to Jesus, and again, he is saying to you and us today that we'll decide to do these five same things that Jesus did. Glory to God as we're hidden in him. The Lord is just saying, just ask of me. 
Just ask of me, beloved. Just ask of me, and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Father God chose Jesus, and he appointed Jesus to bear much fruit, and that his fruit would remain. Beloved, God's called you and me. He's chosen us, and he's appointed us for this very hour to go forth and produce fruit that our fruit would remain. Through this pattern of spiritual, spiritual warfare, Jesus showed us as his first act to release his destiny or ministry on this earth that there truly is a place in God where we can walk in uncommon authority and supernatural security. Why do I call it uncommon authority? Because it's an authority that's not of this world. It's uncommon. When Jesus was ministering, what did they say? When Jesus ministered, they said things. And I don't even know where I am right now. I'm so lost right now. Thank you, Jesus. Here we go. No, that's not that either. Oh, here we go. Mark chapter 1, verse 27. When Jesus ministered, it said, and they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. We've all been there, haven't we? We've all been there when we sat under a teaching and we go, well, that was okay. And then we sat under a teaching, we said, wow. Because there was uncommon authority that the word, because the word always works, and when the word is preached under the unction of the Holy Ghost, it's uncommon authority. It's authority that penetrates our hearts. And it changes us. And then we've sat under messages, and I know I've, I've probably given some messages in the time, and you're saying, yeah, Pastor, some of your messages have been not real good, and it's just like, Ugh. Let me ask you something. Every time you cook something at home, does it always turn out spectacular all the time? <laughs> Harlan, when you're constructing something, does it always turn out? Usually with you it does. But come on. <laughs> That's uncommon. That's uncommon workmanship. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jesus was ministering, and people were being healed and delivered. He spoke the word, and all of a sudden, all the storms, they just calmed down, right? And in Mark chapter 1, verse 27, it says, And they were amazed. So they, they questioned them among themselves, saying, For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, I pray today. In the name of Jesus Christ. And I, say with a, and I say with a loud amen, Lord, that everyone in this place, that every one of our names would be registered as one of the few people who will command uncommon authority in this generation and in this greater Rochester, Minnesota jurisdiction in Jesus' name. Uncommon authority. It's authority that pierces everything of this world. Uncommon authority and supernatural security. As Christians, why do we need this uncommon authority? Why do we need this essence of supernatural authority? Well, just look around at what everything is happening in this world. Don't we need it? I know a lot of people right now are scared. They're hoarding up for themselves all kinds of stuff because now the president just came out recently and said, oh, there's going to be a, a food shortage. 
Well, we all knew that in the spirit about a year ago, didn't we? <laughs> well, you better go out and make another one of your bedrooms into a little store. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. We got some things stored up. That's why a bookcase that used to be at home is in my office right now. <laughs> it's good to be prepared. Don't get me wrong, I'm not criticizing anybody for doing that. But don't let fear dictate to you because you have uncommon authority and supernatural security when you find that hiding place in the Lord. I've told you before and I'm going to tell you again. Most of you in this place have already heeded my instruction and I'm glad because you're happier, I see it. Get away from watching TV, the news. Get away from listening to secular sources and news. Well, I need to know what's going on. Well, that's the Holy Spirit. Find some, some good faith-based news sources if you need to be informed, which we probably should a little bit. But come on. We might live in this world, but we're not of it. We're of his kingdom. If we don't make a difference, then what's going to happen when everything really falls apart? We might be small now, but we're not going to stay small forever. Hmm. In fact, let me show you something. We were as I was talking about principles, turn with me to Psalm 105. Hallelujah. I think it's Psalm 105. I hope I got it right. Yes. Psalm 105, starting in verse 12. It's speaking of the children of Israel. Listen to this. When they were few in number, okay, look up at me now, right? Look around. We're few in number, aren't we? Hmm? I'm so tired of seeing empty seats, I could just about vomit. But anyway, we are few in numbers. Indeed, very few, and strangers in it. When they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, he permitted no one, listen to this, God Almighty per permitted no one to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sake, saying, do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. What are the prophets? The prophets, the P-R-O-F-I-T-S, the prophets, the benefits of uncommon authority and supernatural security is this principle here. This principle is uncommon authority and supernatural security is one that God establishes upon his covenant people. It's one that he did with the children of Israel, which we just read about in Psalm 105, and it's one that he carries through throughout all eternity. Because one thing about a principle of God, when he establishes it, it never goes away. Because his word is forever settled in heaven, you see. It's a decree that's established forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. Let me give you a few of them. There's four of them or five, I think, and we'll be done. And you'll say, praise the Lord. People of authority cannot be resisted. As long as a man or woman of God has great authority, you cannot deny him or her and what they have to say. 
Think of somebody that you really, really respect and you hold in a high esteem. You can't wait until they open their mouths because you know they're going to have something of value to sow into you. The devil can only resist and arrest the destiny of a man or a woman who has no authority and spiritual security. That's why these wannabe Christians, they're going to be falling apart like $2 suitcases, or as Pastor Dan would say, that's one of his things, ugly on a Nate too. You are going to see these wannabe Christians that just are Christian in name only. They're just going to fall away. Listen to this in Luke chapter 21, 15. This is what Jesus said. He said, For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to, I think the King James says naysay, but the New King James says contradict or resist. Think about that for a second. The Lord will give you and I a mouth where wisdom is just going to pour out. And all of our adversaries, they're not going to be able to contradict or resist what we say. They may not like it, but truth always prevails. Amen? Spiritual authority silences all forms of demonic resistance. And I pray that all of us get to this place. You know, Jesus said, the devil has nothing in me. All of us should be in that place when we're hidden him where we can say the same thing. Amen. Number two. People of authority enjoy security. Any person God puts in authority, no devil can touch the person. We read it in Psalm uh, 105, but also in 1 Chronicles 16.22 it says, Touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. The devil and all of his agents know that to harm you and I, his anointed, is to harm God. And God won't put up with it. The reason sickness, disease, delay, debt, rejection, whatever it is that's been harassing us, the only reason it's there, the only reason it's there is because we haven't gotten a revelation yet on how God has delivered us from that and he has given us an anointing. What's the anointing of God? The anointing is his very presence and power that comes upon us when we, by revelation, come in agreement with what his word says in whatever area it is in our lives. The anointing is very tangible, and it's a shield around us where the devil cannot touch us. Amen. Hallelujah. To be anointed is to be protected. How many want to be protected by God? then you need the anointing of God on your life, beloved. That anointing's already inside of you because you're born again. Just come in agreement with that anointing. I think of Star Trek all the time. When I was younger, I was a Trekkie. And whenever the Klingons were coming after him, you know, Captain would say, Scotty, put up the, the force shields, right? There'd be the yellow alert. And then there'd be the red... Alert. And if they didn't have those force fields up, guess what? Those Klingons were able to take care of that, that ship. We have that force field, too, that's greater than that. It's called the Spirit of living God. It's called his anointing that remains upon us. And to come against you and I is to come against God Almighty. 
we have to be really careful how, how we come against people in positions of authority. I'm telling you, be very careful. We really have to watch this thing called our mouth. Remember, we're in the decade of pay where God is dealing with the mouth more than anything right now? Be careful. Be very careful. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad you came today? Hallelujah. (laughs) Number three, people of authority enjoy progress in life. Ecclesiastes 8.4 says this, Where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say to him, what are you doing? (laughs) Isn't that a good verse? See, the words that come out of our mouth when we're hid with Jesus, the words that Jesus said that he spoke, they are spirit and they are life. Why? Because he humbled himself. Because he fasted. Because he became one with the word. The words that I speak, they're not my own, but they're the ones that the Father gives me. Come on, you guys. He was able to persevere, and he didn't fall apart with every little tribulation and persecution and cares of this world came at him. But he stood on the word because he was one with the word, and he knew that the words that he speak, they were of the king. Hallelujah. And those words were powerful. And who's ever going to be able to say, what in the world are you doing? When people get healed and delivered, when the dead are raised, people are going to come to you, what in the world are you doing? You think they're going to say that? How dare you heal my son or my daughter? How dare you raise my father or my mother? Come on. That's the last thing somebody's going to say. They're going to be jumping up and down and rejoicing, amen? Unless they had a bad relationship with that person, well, then they're going to have to deal with that on their own, but come on. (laughs) People of authority enjoy unstoppable progress and celebration. People of spiritual authority know how to command results. People of authority operate from a realm strange to other people. That's why I call it uncommon authority and supernatural security. You say, well, I don't see that in your life all the time, Pastor. I know. I'm working along on this as well as you. But I know what the Word of God says. And I might not be there 100% right now, but I'm not where I was yesterday. And that's the same for everybody in this room. We're moving on with God. Come on. People of authority have recognizable names. Philippians 2.9 says, Therefore God has also highly exalted him, speaking to Jesus, and given him the name which is above every name. The name of a man or woman who commands authority is known by everybody in the area. The word that Apostle Swilly had for this church was, you're going to be a spectacle in this area. You're going to be a spectacle. I don't care. I know what everybody said about me. I know what everybody said about this church. They're a loser church. Nothing's ever to come at that church. Well, they can say what they want. I know what God has said. And I'm not going to bow down to anybody else's personal opinion. I'm to the point now, if people want to walk, go. I love what T.G. Jake says. You know, there's nine gifts of the Spirit, but he goes, there's the tenth one. And it's the gift of goodbye. 
And sometimes you just need to say goodbye. Because if they aren't of you, they never were with you to begin with. But people of authority have recognizable names. A man or woman of God commands spiritual authority, and even witches and warlocks, people in the occult, respect them and know their name. According to Acts 19, 14, when the sons of Sceva met demon-possessed man, the, the possessed man said to him, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And this man meant to tell him something like this, I think. <laughs> I know the powerful name of Jesus. I know Paul because he operates in that powerful name. But who in the world do you think you are? That's why I say, don't even think about walking in the command of authority until you've first done those first four things. Can it be any simpler in the Word of God? And it's available to all of us, beloved. Amen. There's a realm that each, and I, each one of us in this room we're growing into in our walk with God. And the devil has no choice but take his hands off of us and everything God's given us stewardship of. That's why I said there's a mind shift here from being on the defensive end of ministry going on the offensive side of ministry. We're going to say, you know, we're not going to just settle for what we've always had when there's so much more that the Lord wants us to gain. Amen. Hallelujah. And finally, people of authority enjoy respect from everyone. Go to, go to Philippians chapter 2 with me. Bless you. How you doing there, Pastor? <laughs> I like your new glasses, too. Those are awesome. That's a good thing, huh? <laughs> Are you there? Philippians chapter 2, say amen. amen. It says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. To disrespect a person who has great authority is to yours and my disadvantage. When I know someone that has gone before me and has reached this realm that I am still working to get towards, because again, this command authority is an earned walk of discipline, I listen to what they have to say. Sometimes it's just good just to keep your mouth shut and just listen to what others have to say. If you get to the point where you think you've arrived and you know everything, You've gotten into a very dangerous place where you become unteachable. And you open yourself up to all kinds of deception. Amen. People of authority, I had one more, I forgot. People of authority do not struggle with their enemies. You might hate someone who walks in authority, 
and preaches with authority. But you can't stop them because you can't stop the word of God. In Psalm 66, verse 3, I'm going to leave you with this. Through the greatness of your power shall your enemies submit themselves to you. When we get to that place where we've humbled ourselves, when we've gotten to that place where we understand he must increase and I must decrease, which means the only way I can do that is if I live a fasted lifestyle. When the Lord tells me, son, could you just give up this meal today? Or could you give this up for a period of time? Immediately I should say yes. Because then it makes room for me now to receive fresh revelation from his word where it gets engraved upon my heart. Then when things start coming around, happening around me, I can persevere and win. And once I can persevere, then I can command authority and see everything around me change. Amen? Hallelujah. Please stand to your feet. Father, we thank you and we praise you for today. We thank you for everything that you're doing in our life right now. It truly is amazing. It's everything that you're doing, God. We're not going to resist what you're doing, Holy Spirit. But we're going to allow you to have your perfect work in us, Lord. That we may be perfect, complete, and lacking absolutely nothing to come to that place where we can command the authority that you have fully vested in us in your name, Jesus, and see things change. Father, I bless each and every person here. I thank you for them, my God. I thank you that they're covered in your precious blood and no weapon formed against them can prosper, that everything that their hands touch this week will prosper, my God, and that you'll continue to give them a hunger in their hearts to follow your pattern of submission, that we truly can find that place of abiding in you and find that place where your word has place in our heart. We love you, God. We love you. We honor you. We bless you. And I thank you, God, for the fruitfulness that is coming in the lives of each and every one of us, God, and that our fruit is remaining because this is your appointment for us. And we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Be blessed. If you need prayer for anything, be more than happy to pray with you.